Good evening or morning, depending on when you decide to listen to this fine podcast. Uh, I am Craig McHenry, uh, Matt's Talk on the Go podcast. Uh, I also am on Twitter. It's great. I tweet a lot, and I tweet a lot about other things aside from baseball. Lately, I've been tweeting a lot about the Washington Capitals, who have broken the D.C. curse and have made it to the Stanley Cup final, where they were face-off against Vegas. I am joined tonight by a very special guest, a very special friend of the pod, Ryan Sullivan, the Nats GM. Welcome to the show yet again, Ryan. What is this, four? What is this, five? Surprise! Yeah, I believe this is uh, appearance number four for me. So, uh, thank you to uh, Swollen Head Joe for letting me sit in his chair and uh, <laughs> letting me uh, co-host tonight. That's right. Uh, it's going to be a fun show. We'll talk hockey. We'll talk baseball. We'll talk prospects. We might even dabble in the NFL, which Ryan's probably not prepared for. So, um, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Ryan, for joining me. Um, we're going to do things a little bit differently tonight. Uh, I warned Ryan about two minutes before we started recording that I kind of wanted to talk about the man, the myth, the Baron, uh, Ryan Sullivan, and kind of just hear his story because everyone knows NatsGM.com, the NatsGM, uh, the wonderful fleet of podcasts, uh, the great scouting reports, the 15 Twitter accounts, but... Um, <laughs> You've got quite an interesting background in terms of your life pre-scouting. Um, why don't you go into a little bit of how your adult life developed from before baseball, uh, professional like scouting baseball, to where we are now? Like, How did we get from point A to what seems like point Z from where you were? <laughs> and, and honestly, I hope I'm at point, you know, like B on my on my scale, but uh, that that's a funny question. Uh, I graduated Gettysburg College in uh, 2002, and God, that just made me feel old even saying that. Does some math right now? Barely older than Juan Soto. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it, it's bad when I'm saying things like that, and I could be his dad. It's really concerning. Yep. Um, I spent the first 10 years out of college as a financial advisor or a stockbroker, however you want to you know, tabulate or, or term that, uh, I was actually, sadly, I was pretty successful at it. Uh, sadly. Well, I don't know. It, it was, uh, yeah, maybe Soul that's crushing. not, the way. yes, that might be a better way to put it. Yes. And, um, uh, burned out of it, uh, with the market crash, uh, in 2008, getting through every, uh, getting everybody through it, um, really burned out and had to finally quit in, the end of 2010, the beginning of 2011. Uh, just... So during this process, <laughs> you know, stockbroker life is pretty intense. Yes, um, correct. Yeah. Uh, this was, you know, the first five, six years of the Washington Nationals. Were you actively following the team during this time? Were you casually? Were you still a fan of a prior team? I don't know if you were a big fan of the O's. Uh, Kale and Camden, uh, what was your baseball appetite like during those during that time? Uh, I was a huge Nationals fan. I mean, I, I was probably like many people that are listening to this tonight. I, I cried the night that you know they finally got it, and what was it, December of? It was early December of 04. 04, Yes, when Maribury finally decided he didn't need a playground in Ward Eight, and 
we finally got our team. So uh, I, I've been a diehard fan of the Nats the whole time. Uh, I, I was on the message boards. I was doing all that kind of stuff. I will not oh, share message boards. I will Jesus. not share my name on those. But uh, it was probably not Nats GM. No, it was it was not. That was uh, that's a whole other story of how that name came up. But uh, was it Nats three twenty? No. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's an older Nats fan, that's really for popped for that joke. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but no, I was a diehard fan. Uh, I, I followed their minor league system probably more so than even their, their major league team at that time because I knew the future was certainly not today at that point. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, that Expos team, for anyone that remembers, was just decimated by, was it Omar Minaya? Yes. I mean, it was fun for yeah. a half a season. Half of, uh, yeah. of 05 was great, and then it was the, a lot. It what was, was rough. It? 51 and, and 35 or something like that? Well, I'll never. It, 51 yep. and 30, and then they went 30 and 51, or flip it around, whatever it was. It was yeah. Yeah, it was, it was rough times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, that was not a pretty time. Um, so at that time, I want to say the Nats had uh, affiliates – um, I think Potomac started pretty much right away. Um, the old Potomac Cannons, uh, Savannah Sand Nats, I remember. Vermont <laughs> Lake Monsters, the New Orleans Zephyrs. Yes, the Zephyrs, correct. Yep. And we have yep. had the Senators forever. I mean, it feels like they've yeah. been the whole time. Yeah, they've been they've been great. I still still have not been up to a game in Harrisburg, which is probably criminal because I've heard it's beautiful. It's a pretty cool If you're cool not there park. for Mayflies. Yes. The problem is you've got to go in May bef- mm-hmm. when it isn't raining, but yet it's not the Mayflies yet because it's beautiful in that time. And then the night times in the summer, you're taking your chances with those crazy bugs, whatever they are. Yeah. So stockbroker followed the Nats in what little spare time you had, got out of the stock game, got out of the financial game, what happened then? Like, how did you get from there to uh, media mogul and <laughs> scout? Uh, went on a bunch of interviews with major league teams trying to oh, sell. Oh, care to drop any names? Uh, I interviewed with the Nationals. I interviewed with the okay. Orioles. I interviewed with uh, the Phillies. To be uh, a scout or to do something else? Uh, scouting work, but a lot of them really wanted to take advantage of my economics background and my 10 years kind of working in a, you know, financial, you know, profit and loss type of an type of area. Is this prospect worth the money we're giving them? And in that kind of an area, they wanted me to, uh, to do some work in. Okay. So, and, and you've got to remember this was you know, eight, 10 years ago, it was still the, the internet was not as good as it is now. It wasn't as easy to put together a lot of the things that we can do in minutes. So it's, yeah. So it was a Gifts little different. were not really a thing, but, uh, vines were not a thing, but Instagram of, <laughs> was not a thing. Snapchat was not a thing. But, uh, one of my favorite stories was, uh, I was interviewing with another team that I didn't mention. And, uh, and it was me and the person in front of me was Dante Bichette. Old oh Col- boy, <laughs> the old Colorado Rocky and uh, uh, Blake Street Bomber. And so we go through the interview and, and I actually think I do pretty well. You know, they're asking me prospects and what are you know, what do you think about this guy and yada and, and 
everything under the sun. And he said, you know, we got one problem for you. And, and you know, it feel, I'm feeling fairly confident, but you never like to hear that. And they were like, you know, we don't know if you can really scout. And I was like, okay, I guess that's fair enough. I was like, okay. Right. They're like, we don't really know if the gentleman before you could scout too, but we do know that we can <laughs> run him in front of season ticket holders and he can sign baseballs for them. And I was like, got it. Thanks guys. All right. Yep, that's, you're like, well, I could do that too. <laughs> I was like, I don't think, don't think it would have the same. Impact. I think there'll be no line, and, but you know, I, I'm happy to sign a baseball for somebody. Sure. Great. No problem. But yes. Yeah, so. And now, and now here we are. And his son is, a yeah. phenom prospect. The funny enough is they were trying to get his, uh, it's not Bo Bichette, it was the uh, Dante Bichette Jr. who played for, he might still be with the Yankees. They, he was the prospect talk then. It's funny. Oh, that's geez. how far we're going back with uh, that story, unfortunately. So, to, to, so just to put a wrap on that story. So uh, I interviewed with a bunch of teams. It didn't necessarily work out. They told me to get baseball on my resume and very difficult to get baseball on your resume in November, December, January. So yep. uh, my best buddy at the time, we were having a couple of cocktails one night, and he said, you know, if I do everything on the technical side, because I know zero about computers, which is a complete truth, he said, <laughs> if you'll do every, all the writing, I'll do everything involved with the website. Let's start a site. Once again, going back to... Starting a site was very different in 2011 than it is today. Yeah. And everybody can start a site now. Like doing a WordPress and doing that stuff was actually tough back then. So Yeah, you got to know what HTML. And it was, it, right, take a class or you actually needed to have some skill to it. Now it's, I mean, it's so easy. It's amazing. Now even I can do it. I might even be able to take a shot at figuring it out. Yeah. I may not do it. Manchild would have to come in. But at least that's, that's right. you know. Thank Future goodness. guest Manchild. It, it, he he is amazing. So, but uh, shout out to him. So, uh, site started. It kind of started for the first two years. Was really me writing to baseball teams, showing that I knew what I was doing, and, and kind of a was, proof of concept. Like, it hey, was, here I actually do know what I'm talking about. It was a living resume, is what it was doing. While yep. at the same time proving that I could write on a deadline, I could do work, I could write, I could do these other tasks at the same time which may be valuable in some other part of the organization so that's that's really what happened about three or four years in i realized uh i was generating some other income i was doing some other things my wife was is and was tremendously successful in her job and the next thing i knew it was natch dm kind of it wasn't the focus of trying to be my interim job it was uh it was just a really fun thing to do. And ever since it's, it's kind of the focus has been to, you know, write for an audience and really to, to entertain. Yeah. And I mean, as you've grown as NatchGM.com and all that, I mean, now we can read you on Masson this year, every Friday, which is awesome. You've got, um, is it just two podcasts now or is there still a banished to the pen podcast? No, I gave that up a while ago. Unfortunately, um, it was fun, but it was a little bit too difficult for a lot of reasons. But That's uh, a lot of wrangling. <laughs> we were doing two and three guests or other voices, which if you've ever done a podcast, it's one thing to have one-on-one -on -one conversation. You start trying to add two and three, four people, 
it, it was a mess. Even just even three is is really difficult. And now add on. Now try to get those people when you're not paying them to all show up on time. That's <laughs> not going to happen either. So it, it became a real mess. So. But yeah, now we've got. I mean, Nat's GM show has gotten better and better over the years, and now there's. Uh, I just finished the Gabe Klobisitz, uh interview from earlier, the, uh, maybe last week. Uh, interviews with minor league players. You've got a separate podcast, Joshua Kuznick Experience. You're interviewing an agent every week or two almost, and it's just it just keeps growing, and it's really really awesome to see and uh, to kind of hear your path on how it was. I want a job in the industry, and instead of someone giving you a job, you kind of created your own job and just built it up into this awesome, I mean, media empire of you do all of these things and you're doing all of them so well. And it's just really cool to see how that's developed for you over the years and how not just you've um, been successful at it, but that you've said, oh, wait, this is actually what I want to do. This is this is it. Instead of doing someone else's work, I'm doing my own. Yeah, I'm very lucky, but I, I will say with all that being said, none of this would happen if my wife wasn't so good at what she does and uh, really puts the bread on, on a lot of our tables. So I, I, this couldn't happen without her. So I, I, I don't think that I mention her enough it, unless it's in passing and in joking, but uh, without her, uh, none of this really would exist. So I, I, I should give Mrs. Natch DM a shout as well, so... Oh, absolutely. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, for sure. Okay, um, let's talk some baseball. So let's, let's let's dive in. We've talked enough about me. We've talked way too much about you. And if you haven't turned the podcast off by this point, I hope thank you, you for not. If not, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit of baseball. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, some Nat stuff that's been going on um, before we get to um, some more obscure things that you've come to know and love from this ridiculous thing that I call a podcast. Um so the flavor of the week, uh, Ryan, who's the flavor of the week? You? It's Juan Soto. Oh. It's definitely was, Juan Soto. That was my second guess. That is a good second guess, and your first guess was way off base. <laughs> um, so Juan Soto, 19-year-old phenom, uh, has started the year in low A Hagerstown. I believe he spent two weeks there called up to Potomac, spent two weeks there, and in his two weeks at Potomac, I believe ended up leading the Carolina League in homers, despite missing the first two or three weeks of that season, uh, promoted to double-A Harrisburg, and was it one week before he got called up? Uh, I saw him once, and I got rained out once, and I think it might have been eight games. (laughs) It was really quick. Yeah, so starting the year in low A and going to the majors in a little, excuse me, a little over a month. This kid, he is, he's special. He seems special. And for someone that's seen him, um, obviously I can sit here and tell you it looks like he is not overmatched at the major league level, despite being just 19 years of age. Um, He's got confidence, but one of the things that I've been so impressed with is his knowledge of the strike zone. He had a quote the other day that was uh, something along the lines of um, umpires are better here, pitchers are, he- are better here, um, 
and I know what kind of more of what to expect. I know the strike zone. So I'm not worried about any of that. Some, I can't remember the exact quote, but just showing maturity. And that's been the thing that just seeing him on TV uh, that I've noticed is that kind of what you've gathered from your watching his games. He's very special. I mean, this is going to be the first player I've ever seen that at four different levels in the same year. I mean, I saw him at Hagerstown. I saw him at Potomac. I saw him at Harrisburg. And at some point, I'll see him at, at Washington. But it's pretty incredible what he's doing right now. And, and he has a swagger. And we use that word sometimes in a bad way. But he has a swagger with him that he knows he belongs. And I think right. sometimes that really gets overlooked, particularly at the minor league level when you're a young guy that if you're really young for the level, but you look like you belong, that means a lot. And Soto's always been that way. And it, I go back to Bryce Harper because it's really an easy comparison, but it's about the only one we really have that we all know in this, yeah. you know, that are listening to this. But that's the same way Bryce was five or six years ago when we were in the minor league level was he knew he was really, really good. And you can put an expletive in there to explain it further if you need to, but <laughs> he knew he was really good. And Soto's, got some of that too and it's not in a bad way but you know he steps on the field and he knows you know it, he can hit any pitch that that pitcher's throwing and it, it's pretty cool to see and he, he had trouble staying on the field last year and missed you know more than half of the year I believe he only played 34 35 games at uh, Hagerstown but it, it's interesting to see how fast it's coming I mean the big knocks on him last year were he couldn't really hit left-handed pitching very well and he wouldn't use the whole field. And we've already seen, I mean, the first home run, the first at bat he had, well, not the first, second at bat he had in the major league level, he took an outside fastball. And it wasn't a really a bad pitch. And he drove it 420 feet over the wall. I mean, it, it, what he can do is just exceptional. He's got, exceptional. Sorry, I really stumbled over that word. I like uh, it. This is, a, this is a, an alcohol positive podcast. So but he puts, worry. but his ability and I almost compare it to a really good golfer the ability to hit the ball so squarely is what makes the ball jump so much and it's his ability to hit the ball so square is what's going to give him so much more power and I never yeah it seems like he really gets that backspin on the ball that you always want to see from hitters and it's something that like the Anthony Rendon's of the world you see a lot of you just hit it right he hits it right every time and and so often you see guys out on their front foot or they're you know their balance just isn't quite there. His balance—he's always on balance and always in rhythm, and it's—it's it's very difficult. Even on a changeup, it's difficult to get him out, you know, ahead of a pitch, and that's just something that I don't even know if it's—it's it's something. He's nineteen. That, that's what I'm trying to say, and thank you because it, it's so young, and it's just something you can't teach. I mean, it's something that he has, and he's exceptional. Yeah, he is. He's been really impressive, and just to see his rise through the minor leagues. Um, I know there was a lot of chatter in the offseason about um, trading Soto for uh, Nationals' current opponent right now, uh, JT Real Muto, Muto, catcher for the Marlins. Um, and right now, that looks like uh, would have been a, a big trade. That would have been a, a lot, just based seeing how quickly Soto's risen through the ranks. And um, let's obviously be very clear that I don't think uh, had the Nationals had injuries to Howie Kendrick, uh, Goodwin, Murphy, Zimmerman, literally everyone on the face of the planet, that you'd be seeing Soto in the major leagues right now. But 
That being said, with him in the major leagues, he looks like he belongs. He looks like he's obviously ready for this, and he knows how to do it. And this is going to be great for him when I saw, you know, before we started recording, it looks like Brian Goodwin's going to be back here in the next, I don't know, week to 10 days. And Yeah, I would say a week probably on uh, Murphy and Goodwin. And hopefully we'll get eaten back in the next month, which is probably when Soto will, they'll have to make a decision on him. And this is either going to be a great scenario where he sees major league pitching for five or six weeks and gets a handle of it, or he hits so well that he stays. And either way, it's kind of a good thing. I think this is one of those times where this is just invaluable for them, but he needs to produce and he is. So it's good that, and you said it again, it's, he looks like he belongs. So do you think that, this could be at all detrimental to his development. Uh, maybe uh, he goes through a one for 20 slump. Uh, I know Davey Martinez said that he would be getting a bulk of the playing time uh, because that's really important for his development. But do you think that it's going to have, it could possibly have a negative impact if he goes through a prolonged slump and really just uh, he can't make the adjustments uh, against these major league caliber pitchers. Do you think there's a chance that we could, uh, it could hurt him in the long run? I just don't see how it's going to, because I don't think they're going to give him enough rope to go 0 for 20 or 0 for 30. At a certain point, I think they would pull him if he, ha- he was struggling after two or three games, and they really are probably, I mean, we've seen him get used against left-handed pitching, but if he started scuffling at all, I think you would see him against righties, and they would start protecting him a little better. I, I think at this point, it's... It's how good are you? Well, we're going to keep challenging you. Okay, do you want to face lefties? Okay, well, we batted you sick to you on the night. Well, maybe we'll try you in the two-hole. Well, let's see how that goes and just keep challenging him until he fails at a certain point. And I think that's going to be where he finally stumbles is where they'll all of a sudden, okay, this is where we need to adjust. But I don't see how it's a negative. I think it would have been if they really rushed him, but this is a guy that's making adjustments at an exceptional fast and quick rate and I think in a certain way seeing the breaking pitches and seeing the advanced pitching of major league pitching could be actually beneficial to him he could go back if he does go back to the minor leagues and and sadly that's or frankly that's an if which is a crazy thing to say but that yeah that's that's kind of crazy especially with Goodwin coming back and uh, like you said Eaton coming back in you know four to six weeks but that I, would be yeah, that would be that would be crazy. But at this point, he, his bat is going to determine what how long he stays and, and what he does. And I, I'm I kind of put it in a, at the end of my article the other day. But I, I'm tired of betting against him. And I kind of just at this point, I'm like, all right, let's see what you can do because uh, I'm not going to put any limits on him anymore. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. Um, so going forward, after looking beyond, um, obviously there's the Bryce Harper. Uh, walk year potential uh, this coming off season. You've got uh, Soto in the minors, or actually in the majors now, I should say. But um, I don't. Ex- I really don't expect him to stay in DC the whole year. Uh, just I can't imagine when Adam Eaton comes back and Brian Goodwin comes back that he is going to get the playing time. Um, I just I, I just don't see it. That's just an opinion, probably, but he could prove us all wrong. Um, How about an opinion uh, of a fact? Uh, He's not going to sit on the bench. So either he's going to be in the minor leagues or he's going to hit so well that they're going to have to make a trade or make an adjustment. Right. Um, 
And then you've got Victor Robles, who's going to be out and is out for a significant amount of time this year, who was, I want to say, a top five prospect in baseball coming into the 2018 season. Um, he is going to be back this year, from what I understand, yes? I'm hearing the same things, but I'm hearing very little. Yeah. Not the almost a surprising lack of little, but I'm I don't think they even know kind of where it is. I don't I think yeah. it's more oh okay he's ready to go now and then they can send him on a minor league uh, rehab assignment. But I I think it's one of those things that it's going to be a while. Okay, so yeah, looking for the future, um, do you have Victor Robles in center, Adam Eaton in right field, and Soto in left? What do you think 2019 looks out? Obvi- looks like obviously not taking Harper into consideration. And see, that's the thing. And I, th- I, I think I heard your last podcast where you said I think there's a really good chance that Harper stays in DC. And, and yeah, I think I have I'm, it a better, better than 50 percent chance. And, and you put it exactly how I would have. I think there's a better than not chance he stays. And, and I'm surprised that so many people are. But just assuming he's gone. But let, let for the point that you're making, let's assume that yeah. Harper's gone. I would probably – I would give Soda the chance, particularly with Eaton now off of two major injuries. Yeah. Whatever we want to call this thing on opening day and, and whatever is going on, it, I, I think you probably want to put the 29-year-old in, in left field rather than the 19- or 20-year-old. But – yeah. I do think that at a certain point we're going to wake up and Juan Soto is going to put on 25 pounds of muscle on his upper body like Bryce did at 21 or 22, whatever that one offseason was, and mm-hmm. Soto is going to make himself probably a left fielder. But until then, I would probably keep him in right. But Does he have the arm for right? It, it's better. See, it's funny. I've seen him pretty decent this year in the outfield, which has actually been something that a lot of scouts haven't. I've seen him pr- – make some good throws. I've seen him make some good plays in the outfield where, you know, some of the knocks on him are, you know, that his defense is not that great. And and he's not a great defender, but I, I've definitely seen him flash better than than I think his reputation. How about I say it that way? Yeah. So, it's in there somewhere. I mean, I think he's fine. I, I don't he's, think he's going to... Uh, once again, he's 19. But let's also, <laughs> I mean, we're comparing him to what Bryce Harper is doing in the outfield, which is atrocious right now. I mean... It, yeah. It's embarrassing what he the effort he's displaying. I mean, yeah, I love, he is, he I is love pulling Bryce, up on every wall, and yep. I mean, he cost him two runs yesterday. I mean, they gave him the error finally, but that was embarrassing that he didn't catch that ball. And he's turned more doubles into triples this year. I mean, there are four or five examples we can come up with. It's, I'm really disappointed in the effort that Bryce is displaying night in and night out. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting season for Bryce Harper. That's for sure. Um, now, um, does this mean that the Nationals look to move a Michael A. Taylor or a Goodwin? Um, because we were at a point earlier this year uh, where I was beating the drum for Goodwin to start over Michael A. Taylor. And I know uh, Taylor's been in a prolonged slump, uh, had a big hit the other day uh, with that, what, 99-mile-an-hour throw from center field, which... That thing was impressive. It was that thing insane. was really impressive. Yeah. Um, and then he has uh, another home run on this uh, Friday night, uh, along with uh, Matt Adams, who appears to be uh, a signing of the offseason for the Nationals. Good Lord. Um, 
But what does this mean uh, for Michael A. Taylor or Goodwin? Uh, do they become bench players? Do they um, fight for playing time just like everyone else? What happens there? I don't think Goodwin has any real trade value. I mean, I think every team in Major League Baseball has a Brian Goodwin. So, unfortunately, particularly after now another injury at this point, I don't think he has much value. I think he's a fourth or fifth outfielder, and there you go. And he he's a good ball player, and you're glad you have him. But when he gets expensive, unfortunately, you probably see him, you know, move on. But I think Taylor is is a different. Except I just he has too much talent. And he has too much value defensively and on the base paths that uh, some team would want him. But you think he's got value on the base paths? I do. I mean, as, yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I I, I got to push a good back po- a little bit on this. Okay. He, yeah. He does. He does not have that second level higher baseball knowledge on the base paths. I mean, he gets thrown out. Uh, let like me, an income poop. Let me w- so let me withdraw times. my let me withdraw that because you make a good point. He it, for as fast as he is, he makes enough dumb plays to to negate yeah. his value. It, well said, Craig. I'll get yeah. a point for Craig. So hey, there's one. I'll take it. First time for everything. Um, I mean, no, he's got like you said. It's so frustrating because he has all of the tools to be a forty fifty base stealer every year. But, and he should be much better stealing and, and not getting picked off and, and on the flip side as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that point. So I don't know. It, did I lose you, Craig? Whatever. Yeah, just hit record again. Whatever. I, do. I don't care. Yeah, we've recorded again. We had some internet problems. So anyways, back to Michael A. Michael A, he's got all the tools. It's really frustrating. And you think that uh, that's why you keep him around because – if he can put it all together, like that's a really solid major league baseball player with and, the speed and the defense and the arm and the pop. But and it's just, just and even ugh. to your point that you made, just you know describing him, he probably won the game the other night with his throw in the outfield plus his big hit. I mean, the hit you can take away, but if you don't have the throw in the outfield, the game's probably gone. Tonight he hits a two-run home run. Uh, you know, I don't know the standing of the game, and I don't even really want to know, but he does enough things to impact the game that you can directly see where it's like he's not bad even if he's hitting 240. It's can we get him to 240 where then all of a sudden right. everything else is good enough that it plays, you know? Okay, well. I mean, are you looking at a, a 240 center fielder with quality defense and 20 home runs? I mean, that's something. Hey, in this game, ten years ago, that nobody wanted that player. Now, that's a really valuable player, and that's yeah. that's something everybody wants. It's the the two eighty hitter with four home runs in center field is what nobody wants. So it's it's very funny how the game changes. But no, I think Taylor works as long as he can just start getting another hit a week. I mean, that's really the difference. It's it's right now. I think he's in a prolonged slump, but. Hopefully, yeah. like you, I think you tweeted out the other night wisely. It's like maybe that hit was uh, that game winning hit will be what kind of jump starts him. I mean, he only needs yeah. to hit 240 to be a really valuable major league player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, moving on just a little bit more on some younger guys, some potential. Um, we saw, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, a, a pretty quality start from Eric Fetty uh, the other day. Um, where does Fetty sit in the system now? 
because he's been around a little while and he really has not seemed to turn that corner. Um, so where where's his standing right now? I, I think you bring up a great point because I actually can't really answer the question. Unfortunately, I wish I had a better question I, or a better answer. I would have converted him to a reliever last year and just cut loose and, and, and let him be a really good seventh or eighth inning guy. You know, think of uh, – actually, I'll give Ryan Madsen might not be a bad example. It's just that kind of a pitcher. Occasionally gets hit, but pretty often a pretty solid pitcher. I mean, I think that's what Eric Fetty would be in the seventh or eighth innings. But last year was a mess. They converted him to relief. They brought him back to a starter. I, I don't think he's got him enough of a changeup to be a long-term starting pitcher, but I, I will say that other people that I really trust have seen his changeup be really good. So – that's why I come back to – that's a long way of answering. I don't, I don't know, to be honest with you. But, yeah. But to, to, your, to your question, he was really good, I thought, uh, what was it, two days ago. Yeah. Uh, really commanded the strike zone. It looked like he knew what he was doing, had a plan, was working the ball in and out, up and, up and down. Uh, the breaking pitches were good. Uh, by the way, FP, it's called a slider. I, I don't know <laughs> why you can't figure it out, but it was a slider. 88, it's a slider. That's what it is. Yeah. And the pitch that goes arm side at 89 is a two seam. I know it's a crazy concept, but that's what it was. Yep. Wow. That was, that was really pain. I had to turn it on to mute. He was so bad. He was off tonight too, but yeah. Yeah. And I love FP actually, to be honest with you, but he's really, yeah, I do. What, what, what do you like about FP? I like early in the season FP when he's first talking about the thing, the one thing he learned in the off season. Um, but then four months from now, when it's the same thing, that's when I generally get frustrated. Er. <laughs> I think that he makes good points. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of noise in between those. Yeah. But I will say that because I'm at the minor league park a lot of times from 7 to 10, I'm watching the Nats game from – you know, midnight to 2 a.m. So I can zoom through it. And when he starts to ramble, I can not listen or I can fast forward. So I get a little bit, I can kind of minimize his, his noise. And I think that's yeah. a nice way to put it. But yep. I think if you can filter him and if they could filter him better, I do think he does some good work. I just, I think through 162 games, we all get stuck with there's a lot of BS and a lot of a lot of nonsense, but yeah, uh, uh, I am uh, I am intrigued though. Right now, I saw that uh, Michael Morse was on the pregame show today, hosting. Now, I also will say, I, and I don't catch it as much as I want to, but I actually think the pre and post game is really good. I uh, I have not watched it in at least two years. I, that's a shame because I actually think yeah. they do really good work on it. When Ray starts talking hitting pregame, I actually yeah. think it's really, really good. But yeah, you know that's for another topic for another day. Yeah, I've had some in-person experiences with Ray Knight that, yeah, I'm not that interested in hearing what he has to say. <laughs> so, were you the guy he hit? Oh, just uh, I was. Hey, I was not. But we can talk about that off the podcast. Hey, because I've I've got a great story about that. Um, so, uh, one last, uh, kind of actually two, two last, uh, little, little Nats notes before we go into some more obscure shenanigans. Um, I have been nothing but impressed with Severino behind the plate. 
I think he's been exactly what the Nationals have needed at that position. Uh, Wilson Ramos never really put it all together at the same time. Um, Matt Wieters, obviously not a great 2017 season at all, but I think Severino has been a breath of fresh air, and I think he has kind of that same swagger that we've seen with Juan Soto uh, since he's come up. He has the confidence. He knows he can do the job, and I think he's a very non-prototypical catcher body and skill set. Um, and where does he fit within the Nationals? Are the Nationals still going to look for a jail, uh, JT Real Muto? Are they going to look for um, a free agent or a trade? Or do you think that Severino could be the guy long term? You know, it's, it, it's. I'm glad we're talking Severino because I, I probably saw him 40 or 50 times in the minor leagues, so I felt like I really knew. He's him. been around, yeah. I, I feel like I really knew him as a player, and what he's been at the major leagues this year is nothing of what I ever saw in those 40 or 50 games in the minor leagues. I never saw this energy. I never saw this swagger. Is a good word. I never saw the the balls in the dirt and this pouncing like an animal in a good and I don't want to say that in a in a negative way like it's it's like a dog with a bone he's the way he's playing the game right now I never saw it and so I'm I've talked to scouts I've I've talked he's been somebody that's been really throwing me off because I'm way I was way off on him scouting wise I mean I thought he was a guy that maybe was your third catcher and was somebody you kept at triple a and you know, the Will Nieves is, is a great example. The, the Maldonados of the world. Yes, and, and yes, we've had a dozen of them in, in D.C., and we can all we love them all, but I'm way off because what I'm seeing in the major leagues right now is not that. So I'm, I'm kind of – I'm glad we're bringing them up because it's one of those times, and it doesn't happen a lot, but it happens, and it's really cool in baseball when, like, I'm so far off on what I thought he was – that now I'm almost like I'm reevaluating him at the major league level, and that's crazy. As it, 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 you know, if you want to scout, because you don't scout at the major league level, like that's no. not what you do. It's, but what he's doing. And so is was he bored? Was he did something click? I mean, did he? His body hasn't changed, so it isn't like he's all of a sudden, you know, dieting or getting into physical fitness, and all of a sudden the the body changes and he's more strong or whatever. I mean. I don't know what it is, but what he is, what he's performing like now is very different than what I thought he was. And, and that's, that's a testament to him. I don't know if it's a testament to the organization, but somebody's done a hell of a job of lighting a, lighting a fire under his rear end because he's taking advantage of this opportunity he's had this year that he probably really didn't think. I mean, I think the organization thought Roddy Reed was ahead of him and, and, if he hadn't gotten the 80-game suspension, I think he would be the one that would have been getting this opportunity. And Yeah, and I think even going back a little bit further, um, Keyboom, I think he was probably viewed as a better option in the past than Severino. No question. I, I think that's fair, for sure. So it, sometimes you just throw your hands at it because this isn't a change of – even sometimes you see it – change the scenery guys you know all of a sudden okay they go somewhere else for the first time and it's something clicks like oh okay but i don't know i just i 
I don't want to say it like I'm just dumbfounded, but I'm almost, I'm so far off on, on what, I mean, I, to answer your question, I think this is the type of player, if he keeps playing like this, maybe you want a really good backup catcher who can bat left-handed, maybe not call it a platoon, but I think this is a, a, a kind of a fringy starting catcher in the major leagues is what he's playing like right now. And I thought he was a guy that was destined for the minor leagues for all his career or so. I mean, you go tell back me, two Craig. months tell ago, and the think. Nationals I mean, were starting with Matt Wieters, with Miguel Montero as backup. Severino came up almost immediately because of, I believe, a Wieters injury. Uh, I can't remember exactly. Um, but Severino took the job. Montero got cut, and Wieters came back, and Severino did not leave the starting spot. No, and the truth is, is Wieters is, was playing he was playing fairly well much for better than 2017. Well, I'll say fairly well for Weeders. That might be the way to put it. But uh, Fair, Fairly well for Weeders and much better than 2017. It was that bad. But at least he was walking. I mean, at that yeah. point, he was getting on base. At, at that point, he was catching fairly well. And I do think he – I don't know if catching, you know, he calls a good game or whatever we want to really call that. But pitchers seem to have confidence with him. And that, that you, you say the same thing. You know, he's got a big frame. He's a big target. Pitchers yeah. always like having a big target back there. Hey, whatever it's a cliche. it is, you know, as long if it works, it works. I mean, yep. You know, David Ross did that for a, for a lot of years. So yeah, and was on Dancing with the Stars because of it. Um, but yeah, Severino. I know when he first was taking reins of the starting job, I believe uh, Max Scherzer's worst start to this point uh, was the first one that Severino caught from him. And then the very next game, Scherzer threw a gem. So uh, he's obviously learning at the major league level, and he's making those catching defensive adjustments. And the arm speaks for itself. I mean, he's got, I think, a phenomenal arm. And it's accurate, too. That's it's, the other thing. And here's the thing that I was talking about on Twitter just the other night. That Michael A. Taylor throw. How many previous Nationals catchers don't even catch that throw, and what, let alone catch it and have the athleticism to make that, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say snap tag, like a shortstop catching a throw down to second base. Like, that was a snap catch and tag. And to your point, I've seen him drop so many pitches in the minor leagues and so many throws in the minor leagues that I thought his hands were terrible. Now he comes up in the major leagues, and you, you will see him occasionally drop a pitch. But, I mean, that, that snap tag the other night, you, you know, 10 players in the league can't make. So it's, I yeah. keep coming back to, what did I miss in a 50-game right. sample? Or was he just so bored at that level that now he's finally playing? It's, it, I've, I don't know. I've said it enough times now, but I'm, I feel like I'm so far off that I'm just, I hope I'm off. I'm happy that I'm wrong, and I hope that this right. continues. So do you think the Nationals look to Severino, or do you think the jury's still out and we have to kind of see how the rest of the year goes? I think the, they're going to give him some rope at this point. I mean, I think with the amount of injuries that we're dealing with at this point and the other weaknesses this team has, I think it, they're going to sit there and say, you know, maybe Weeders comes back from this hamstring quicker than was first acknowledged, and maybe we can make do. I'm a little surprised they haven't gone to try to find somebody – 
and I know Mary B is going to be very upset with me, but somebody a little better at catcher besides Spencer Keyboom. But uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, Jose Lobatone's a free agent again. No, no, I said somebody better than Spencer Keyboom. Oh, I, I know. I'm just so I know there's going to be people. I got a zing in so. Uh, but I'm a little surprised, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go get somebody a little better, depending if Weeder's injury is, is worse than they're kind of now reporting, but which seems right. to be a trend with the Nationals. But uh, It's been a trend for a very, very long time. Yeah, it felt like we were doing well for about a three-month stretch last year, and now all of a sudden the injury thing is just it's back to being an issue. It's back to, oh, he's day-to-day. Oh, wait, no, he's out for two months. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, wait, he's losing his leg. Yeah. Well, let's wait six days to put him on the 10 day DL. That's brilliant, guys. Yeah. That's, that's really thanks smart. for that, Anthony Rendon. That was great. Yeah, I mean, you that do, was really nice. You really um, do just sit there and you're like, I know these teams are really smart, but come on, guys. Like, you're not that smart. <laughs> these are the things where we kind of sit there and you're like, come on, guys. Let's, yeah, let's just, let, let's just do something, please. Um, last Nat, I kind of want to touch base with you on. Um, Jeremy Hellickson. He's been a really good number five. Like, he's been really good. I'm not just crazy, right? Like, no, but he's they've done been a, they've much done a, better than I expected. They've done a great job of he's pitched against what feels like some mediocre lineups, and they pull him at the absolute first time of either third time through the lineup or. First Which is one of the trouble. things I love about Davey Martinez. And I have—I don't know people. I don't know why it's a complaint. Like they're doing a good job with their fifth starter. Their other four are really, really good. So why not baby your fifth starter if he's giving you five and a third quality innings? Okay, it's going to be a bullpen day, but he's still giving you five and a third quality innings, which is great. Like most fifth starters. We'll give you six innings, but it's four or five runs. Like, I'd rather have five and a third, and he's given up one run. I can work from there. So, uh, he's been fantastic. I, I'm surprised. I mean, I, I mentioned it in an article I wrote today. The whole free agent paradigm is, is bizarre, but when you can get a picture that of Jeremy Hellickson's ilk for $2 million or whatever it was, and it, he's not fantastic, and he's going to get hit every fourth or fifth start, and that keeps his ARA up, but for the most part, he's going to keep you in games every fifth day, and that that's a pretty nice fifth starter. I I think sometimes we it's you know when somebody's salary gets way out of whack compared to who they are, we start to diss them so much that when their salary then gets back in line, you're like, oh wait, that guy's not that bad. Same thing's yeah. going to happen with Hanley Ramirez. Somebody's going to pick him up for the league minimum, and he's going to start hitting some home runs, and they're going to be like, oh, this was a great signing. It's like. No, he's just not making $25 million anymore. He's making 500000 It's like He's it's the exact same player. Yeah, it's <laughs> a different perspective. So, you know. And uh, that's one of the things I should – I absolutely give the Nets credit. Uh, this year, uh, more than years past, they've seemed to cut bait quickly when there's an issue. I mean, we spoke about Miguel Montero uh, when Severino kind of proved himself as quality. Montero was out the door. Overnight, he was gone. Uh, AJ Cole, he got no rope whatsoever. It was, is Hellickson ready? Yes, bye bye. Like, Any Romero, the same thing. I, I mean, which I, one? Any Romero, the same deal. Yeah. 
I mean, most teams would do everything they could to keep a left-handed pitcher that can throw at 100 on their roster who was productive at times last year. And right. the fir- I mean, he got three or four games where he struggled and out the door. Now, yep. I don't think he's performing particularly well. I think he ended up in Pittsburgh, if that's right. He did, yep. But uh, nevertheless, I mean, I-, I will give Mike Rizzo is doing a hell of a job this season. I mean, it, with he hasn't had the money to go make expensive signings, but what he has been able to do, I mean, Howie Kendrick was a great signing until he tore his Achilles, but he was killing it. Matt, Matt Adams, as you mentioned earlier, for $4 million bucks is on his way to a 30-home run season. Mark Reynolds was signed for nothing and hit four home runs in a week. Uh, Kinsler came back for two years and $10 million bucks, and after some scuffles early, went, what, 12 straight, 13 straight appearances with no runs scored. I mean, it, I, I don't think Rizzo's getting the credit right now that he deserves either. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you meant you kind of said in passing, um, you mentioned uh, weaknesses within the club right now. Um, Outside of injury concerns, which uh, like you, we both mentioned earlier, Goodwin, uh, Murphy going on rehab, looks like Eaton's back in four to six weeks. Um, Ryan Zimmerman shouldn't be that long, but Honestly, right now with Matt Adams, not too worried about Ryan Zimmerman. Um, what do you see as the Nationals' weakness right now? Uh, Doolittle's fantastic still. Uh, Madsen's been effective as an eighth-inning guy and stepping in as closer uh, when things have gotten short in the bullpen. Uh, Kinsler's settled down. Um, Tim Collins has been exactly the extra lefty that the nationals needed because Sammy Solis pitched, I want to say 25 out of 20 games. (laughs) Somehow he managed to throw in more than the games. 23 of 42 at one point. So what do you see the nationals weakness right now outside of health? Like, is it middle relief? They need a, bad MF or in the seventh and eighth innings to bolster their relief and they need a lefty specialist. I mean, I know that Sammy Solis is popular within the fan base, but he's very inconsistent for his. Do you think Tim Collins can be that guy? I don't know. I think we'll find out in the next six to eight weeks. Uh, By the way, did it blow your mind that he's 28 years old? He is 28 years old. I would have definitely pegged 34. you just nailed the exact tweet that I tweeted out. I was like, how is he not 34? Oh, I seriously wrote, he's 28. I was like, there's no way he's not 34 or 35 years old. Like, it's amazing. I just tweeted out. The, that's so funny you said that because he seems like the oldest 28-year-old of all time. I mean, how's he that's been around incredible. this long? And he's 28. But to your point, yeah, I think he'll get some rope to – I mean, he's been up to 95, 96 from the left side with a hammer. I mean, give him a chance, but – he may only throw 20 or 30 games before he gets hurt again, but maybe you're the beneficiary of that. So but yeah, I, you I just think need bullpen, him to last uh, through the time you need him. I think the bullpen will be, it'll be the spot. And I still think at a worst, um, I think if weeders and we don't really know what that injury is, I heard it was horrible. Then you heard it wasn't so bad. I, I don't know what, if you play it somewhere in between, I, I would be surprised if they didn't go get a left-handed bat that that's, you know, Alex Avila last season type guy. I mean, somebody that can platoon with Severino and, and be a veteran, you know, kind of catcher as well. 
Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, like I said, outside of injuries, I don't see many areas hugely of need. No. I really really don't. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to tell you that Matt Adams is a phenomenal left fielder, but he is... He has done well enough that with Michael A. Taylor in center, or um, that that it's going to be okay. Like you can get away with a lot when you have well, it's... someone as fast and with good reaction times as Michael A. in center. And he'll get plenty of at bats if you throw him out there once or twice a week in left field, and then he also is playing two or three days a week at first base. It's yep. It it. it Things get a lot better when Murphy's healthy and Goodwin's healthy and you get eaten back as well. All of a sudden, your lineup looks pretty interesting. And I, I know Kendrick is a big injury, and, and maybe that's another player, player or role they might try to try to. I don't know. It's difficult to fill that type of a kind player. Kind of a super so utility. Good. Yeah, that kind of a player. I mean, it's so hard to peg that kind of player because he's so good at putting the bat on the ball and he gives you such a good at bat and he can play three or four positions. But – if somebody can come up with with that player, I think that might be a role to try to fill. I as mean, well. right now, honestly, if anyone can do it, it's Mike Rizzo. It's he just seems to strike gold way too often. Yeah, and and, and to give and you credit, it's, it's to these your... role players. It's Matt Adams. It's Adam Lynn last year. It's Howie Kendrick, who I believe we got for nothing from the Phillies last year. You know. It's these kind of role players that end up being really solid contributing members of the club that I think go underrated, uh, not just with the fan base, but nationally. Like, Matt Adams has 13, 14 home runs. I don't think Rizzo gets the credit he deserves because he doesn't get the power at the top level to make the big signings. That goes to the learners, and... He does great work at the lower level, which people typically ignore. So I think people really do overlook the work he does. But if you start, if you, I mean, really, and you brought it up a couple podcasts ago. I mean, he's had very few fails in, yep. in, in recent Soriano, years. Soriano, Papelbon, Uneski Maya, and Nate McLeod. That's all I could come up with. And you could make a fantastic argument that Uneski Maya... And um, and Soriano were not his dealings. I mean, y- yep. you could certainly the Soriano was above his head. So mm-hmm. now, for better or for worse, you can argue that point. But that's another story. But yeah. uh, that's a pretty good track record over seven eight years. You can pick out two bad moves. Yeah, that's pretty good. But I mean, getting a contributing player like Howie Kendrick, who did so much for the Nationals in the second half of last year. Adam Lynn, super bench player. Ad, uh, um, Matt Adams this year, uh, taking that platoon with Ryan Zimmerman and just being fantastic when called upon well, all he, year long. And I also want to point out, he's done a nice job trading the right players in a certain way, and he's kept the right players <laughs> as well. L- Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, anyone? And, and that trade looks badly because of Adam Eaton, but it, He's made a, he's made the right moves in trading a lot of guys. Right. I mean, Nick Pavetta was a deal that you know that's going to look bad, but then again, they didn't have to pay off six million of Papelbon's salary for that half a season too, which is another deal that went above his head. So it's is six million plus what he had to give up in that trade is is very different. So it's 
I don't know. He, he's been really, really good, and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's nice. It's it's really good. And to say nothing of Mark Reynolds. You mean the new coming s- in out of nowhere? You mean what the new Scott four- Scott Hatterberg? Yeah. Was that your reference that you threw in? That was my uh, the end of my column today on Masson. Yeah, I was like, is he the new Moneyball and is uh, Mark Reynolds the new Scott Hatterberg? So beautiful. I mean, six home runs since he's been in DC. Two multi homer games. I mean, come on. That's he. We, Rizzo got him for nothing. I mean, I, I know he's flawed and we could spend the Absolutely. entire podcast, but he does do one thing really well. He's got 285 home runs in the major leagues. And I know we talk a lot about, well, this guy could hit 30 home runs and this guy could do this and he could do that. This guy's done it. Like, I mean, no, he's hit almost 300 freaking home runs in the major leagues. I mean, that's that's really hard to do. And, I mean, he had 30 home runs and 97 RBIs last year and nobody wanted the guy? I mean, come on. I mean... Yeah, Adam Lynn's still a free agent, by the way. And so... And I wrote about it today, cheap plug in my in my Masson column. You know, these extended bullpens are really, you know, kind of icing out these kind of players in the major leagues. But something's wrong when you can get players of this ilk and this quality for legitimately the the league minimum or qual- nothing. I mean, these are really good, productive players that you're getting that nobody wants. And I, I think that these extended bullpens are probably we might be reaching the tipping point where we're going a little too far. Well, and it's also when do the economics of baseball overshadow the value you can get from these kind of players? Like, is it really more valuable to have a Mark Reynolds uh, who's making, you could, you know, pay $2 million a year or someone not near as quality or experienced um, for league minimum who's 21 years old and probably shouldn't be there just because they're cheap. Well, and what we're really seeing is it's guys like Adrian Sanchez or Mark Reynolds. You know, the Adrian Sanchez can't hit his weight, but he can play four, five, six positions pretty well, frankly. I, and I like Adrian, and, and I don't want to knock him too much, but it, he can't hit anything like Mark Reynolds can. But right. that's the trade-off you're making. If you have a three- or four-man bench, you need guys that can play a lot of positions. You need an Andrew Stevenson rather than, you know, an Adam Dunn-type player. And that's just kind of the way that the rosters are shaping up right now. And that's, it is, I mean, just kind of, it is what it is. I hate that cliche, but that's kind of the change in the way baseball is. But maybe the team that starts collecting some of these veteran bats that can hit and putting them in these roles, maybe they will, you know, really see some benefit for a couple of years. You heard it. Ryan has the idea for the new money ball right here, mashing some taters. That's what it is. Beautiful. I love it. Um, Let's get into some off-the-wall topics. How about we? Beautiful. Let's do it. Okay. Um, Let's talk about JJ a little bit. (laughs) Okay. What a year for this kid. Uh, JJ, Jeremy Jeffress, uh, if you uh, listen to Ryan's other pod, one of Ryan's other podcasts, uh, the Joshua Kuznick experience. You've heard all about the saga of Jeremy Jeffress and his tales from Milwaukee to, I believe it was Texas, and now back in Milwaukee. And uh, Ryan's leading a campaign to get Jeremy Jeffress to DC. And which, by the way, I don't like that hashtag JJ to DC because 
yes, I want JJ in DC, but playing for the Nationals because it can wow. work both ways. It wow. can work both ways. There's a subtlety to it. I I, I like it. It's it's right there. Um, JJ, Jeremy Jeffress, tell the folks a little bit about this guy and what makes this story and this player so special. Um. Jeremy is 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 a really special player. Uh, I've known about him as a prospect since I was since he was probably sixteen. And uh, Josh, uh, who I do the podcast with, has has represented him for I think thirteen years at this point, and basically the, his whole career. And uh, Jeremy has has dealt with a lot of issues. He's had uh, heroin problems. He's had some other issues with uh, with drugs and uh, some other issues. He's had big time uh, anxiety problems. Uh, he's had, I mean, just you know, Google him and you can see he's had some real problems. Nothing that's been, it's all been, you know, kind of self inflicted, but also because he's had some problems. He's had some epil- epilepsy. Pardon me issues and some other health issues that went a little undiagnosed, which I think led to some of the drug usage. But uh, nevertheless, uh, he's kind of overcome a lot of that to, um, in my opinion, if he's not the best reliever in baseball right now, he's the number two reliever in baseball. I mean, he's behind Josh Hader on the same team on the same damn team. uh, He's gone, I think 21 straight appearances without giving up a run. He's got a 0.35 ERA at this point. And, He's really changing the way that uh, bullpen or relievers are being used. I mean, Milwaukee's using him in the sixth inning to get key outs. They're using him in the eighth inning as a setup man. They've even used him as a closer at, at times this year. And it's been really cool to see. And and it, Jeremy's a great guy. He's a tremendous person. And to see uh, my friend Josh succeeding with Jeremy is really cool. So, uh I don't really, I mean, I could go on, but I'm probably rambling at this point, but it, it's, yeah, just... I mean, it's, it's just such a great story that I just want people outside of uh, your podcast world and Milwaukee to kind of start to pay attention to more uh, because it really is, I don't want to, it's not rags to riches, but it's really a guy picking himself up by his bootstraps, getting the support he needs, We've all... uh, getting an organization that is getting behind him and really helping him out. I'm, um, I'm guessing everybody that's listening to this, I mean, whether it's it, some of the issues are different, but I think every one of us has probably had one of those moments where you're down and you've had to pick yourself up. And it, whether, it, you know, we can all judge how down we all are, but he, he's picked himself up and really righted the ship. And it's pretty cool to see. And, and this, is, this is take Elijah Dukes and his two-year Nats career, expanded over 10 and have him turn it all around and turn into the player that everyone thought he would. That's really what we're talking about. And take away the the real bad stuff of Elijah Dukes and the attitude and the the, the everything that Jeremy and... did was all self inflicted. Right, which right. I, I don't want to say is better or worse. Actually, I do want to say it's better. I mean, yeah, it, it, it is. Oh, I'll agree. Yeah, definitely. So I, I, I mean, anyways, I don't want to focus on the negatives, but he's been so. It's been really cool to see. Josh and I have been doing a podcast now four and a half years, and it's really been the main theme of our entire show is just kind of the ups and downs with Jeremy, and he's really getting to ride an incredible wave right now, and 
it's been fun to hear because we've also had some low moments where he got traded. He basically was almost out of baseball. He was pitching him. He had a seven ERA in Texas and then somehow had an opportunity to take another contract for more money, turned it down, went back to Milwaukee and is now thriving. So it's, it's a made-for-TV movie if you could do it. Yeah, it's what you want to see as a baseball fan. There's a lot of negativity, negativity and all sorts of shit going on in the world and every day, and it's just inundated with nonsense. And to actually get a true heartwarming story is awesome. So I just want to make sure everyone's aware of that that's going on. And so definitely listen to the Joshua Kuznick experience if you haven't. It's one of my favorite podcast to listen to just because i don't know what's going to happen i that, literally have no idea what this guy's gonna say that he makes is two of legitimately us. insane i have no idea how ryan is able to wrangle josh into uh any sort of coherent conversation because it seems like it's just tangents on tangents on tangents but it is incredibly compelling and super interesting the only way I can describe it is it feels like a, a train going 100 miles an hour and I try to jump on and steer it at the same time. It, it's You hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's definitely must-listen radio, that's for sure. Um, uh, you, We talked a little bit before we started recording. The NLB draft is coming up really soon, and I, am, I don't know anything. The only thing I know, and that I hope there's a chance, that I will one day be able to get a Seth Beers Milwaukee Brewers jersey. Like that's all I want in life to get a Brewers Beers jersey. So I'm is Seth Beers a better, still a thing? I'm guessing there's a better chance you could get a Washington Nationals Beers jersey than a Seth Beers jersey. That would be pretty great. Or a Milwaukee Bear a Brewers Beers jersey. I'm saying, but uh, now uh, it's funny. He would have been much higher drafted two years ago when he was doing this thing as a freshman than he is going to be this time around. I mean, some team's still going to pop him because of the power, but uh, he has been exposed a little bit the last couple of years, and he just hasn't been quite as good. And as we've seen, and Mark Reynolds, and we kind of talked about it in the conversation we just had earlier, uh, a power-hitting first baseman who's limited to first base is just not that valuable or not that coveted in uh, the major leagues right now. So who else do we need to be looking for? In the next two weeks, what name is going to be at the top of everyone's draft board? Uh, go out of your way to watch Auburn pitcher Casey Mize. I think most people have probably heard the name at this point that are if you're around baseball. But if you haven't, really go out of your way either in the SEC tournament or I'm assuming they'll make the NCAA tournament. He's really special. And while he doesn't have the raw stuff that Strasburg had, goodness, eight or nine years ago, I mean, he's about as close to that kind of tier that Garrett Cole's that we've seen in a long time. I mean, he's got four. Wow, yeah, that's great. I mean, he's 96 to 97 with the fastball. He's got a real legitimate uh, curveball and slider, both above average, even maybe plus. And then he's got this split finger that's just devastating that sinks straight downward and, and looks just like a fastball. I mean, he, he I've seen him four or five times on TV now, and it's really, really special. And I would be floored if Detroit did not take him at 1-1. Yeah, just that much of a given. He, he's starting to really separate himself. I mean, the one thing I will say is is the difference between one one and one two is is decent, but 
this is a really good draft. I mean, even once we get past Mize, we've got a lot of really interesting players. I mean, Nick Madrigal is a really good hitter at uh, Oregon State. Travis Swaggerty is an interesting outfielder at Alabama State. Uh, the SEC is completely Alabama loaded. State. Yes. Yes. What? Yeah, he'll go at baseball. Uh, uh, athletic powerhouse. Juggernaut Alabama State. Yeah, that juggernaut, right? I mean, I, I'm sure I could not find that school on the map if I was given it. Here's where Alabama State is. So, but uh, the SEC again is loaded with Friday night pitchers. I mean, Brady Singh and Coar at at Florida are, are tremendous. Uh, Hess at, at LSU is great. Um, goodness, uh, South Carolina's Adam Hill is, is is a really interesting prospect as well. So it, it's a good year for college pitching. And then more where the Nationals are drafting, it's a good year for high school pitching. There's a lot of really interesting, you know, in the 20 to 50 range, a lot of interesting high school arms. No, oh, that's good. Uh, I would is, – is there a Mike Rizzo, Tommy John – uh, injured, problematic guy out there that is the Mike Rizzo special. I don't have an injured guy dropping special, but I feel like this is one of those years where we're going to see a college player drop, and I think that's going to be who the Nationals end up taking is one of these, either a college pitcher or a college bat that for whatever reason drops, I, I think could be who they go after. I think certainly college pitching would be, if, if they had their druthers, I think would be their top you know, want on their board. But uh, I, I think it'll be somebody in it that that would be more what they'll be looking at. Okay. Um, and before we move off of pro, uh, prospects, draft, all that, um, I got to ask you, uh, I know we talked about it a little bit not too long ago. Seth Romero, what are you hearing, if anything? that I can tell Seth Romero, you those of you that those of you that don't know who he is I wouldn't be surprised that you don't know who he is because he was the Nationals first round draft pick uh, he had been kicked off of his uh, college team I believe Houston you got it Houston uh, for I guess what do we want to call it <laughs> rules violation knucklehead offenses pretty much being a raging dumbass um, That's even better said. And then heard about him a lot in the spring when the Nationals sent him home from spring training for, I want to say it was curfew violations that uh, I think that's what I saw towards the end uh, or when it finally came out. Uh, what, where is he now? What is he doing? Are we ever going to see him again? <laughs> um, as far as I know... He's still at home. I don't think he's at extended. I could be wrong, and if somebody said that I'm wrong, I, I, I'm a hundred. I could be wrong on that. So let's let's put it there. But as far as I know, he's still at home. Um, I think they're trying to essentially give him a wake up call, and I'm hoping that I think they're hoping to get him back pitching in you know, Auburn and or low A once the draft is over and once they kind of figure out where, where, you know, there's a need for a pitcher and, and kind of all that shakes out. Do you think there's a chance the Nationals just cut bait and run after no. less than a year? No, it's not. He's not. How do I want to say this? He's a knucklehead, but he's not done anything that you would. Okay, I'm not touching the guy. 
Right. And I can't go into more than that because I don't feel like it's really my place. But uh, it, and I'm, I'm into character. I mean, and I hate to say it that way, like, oh, I'm into character. Yeah. I like good people. Like, no, I mean, I don't take a lot of risks on character people in baseball because if you don't have good character, you're not going to make it to the majors. I mean, well, and if and you I do, you're not going to stay. Generally, if you look at it, the Washington Nationals really, outside of Jonathan Papelbon, have been a high-character organization. I mean, See. Max Scherzer, uh, Sean Doolittle – uh, Michael A. Taylor looks like the nicest freaking 12-year-old in the world. Since they um, didn't have to gamble on people, they have taken on very few, if any, problem people. Yeah. You, you don't see the, the PED suspensions. You don't see the domestic violence uh, incidents. Um, you just you see a, a quality of person. So, um, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's really interesting to kind of see how quiet it is about Seth Romero. I mean, number one prospect or number one draft pick, first round draft pick for the nationals. And he's not pitching and no one's talking about it. <laughs> I will even say that when I bring his name up among scouts, just, Hey, have you heard anything? It, it's, it's weird. I mean, we all hear the same, we all have the same story. Like I just shared, but it's <laughs> nobody seems to have more information, which is weird. And I, I just, I don't have a better word for it, but it's, I, I know he's a knucklehead, Sorry. I, I know he's a knucklehead, but uh, we'll see. I, I felt a lot more confident gambling on that character issue 12 months ago than I do today. Yeah. Uh, let me just say, Bryce Harper just placed one right down the third base line for a bases loaded double. Beautiful. Literally line drive down the third base line. Very impressive. Off a, off a lefty. See, there's no TV in here, so there's, you know, that's the sacrifice I make for you. That is, come on, that is that is a beautiful sacrifice, and we're very appreciative. Um, yeah, that's good stuff. I'm looking forward to hearing more on that one. Um, okay, uh, some random stuff. Uh, if you, if you got a little bit more time, and then we'll get to a couple questions. Let's do it. Um, uh, if you feel like getting a little hot takey, um, <laughs> the NFL has said that. Players will be uh, teams will be uh, penalized 15 yards if they kneel for the national anthem. What do you think about that? Get rid of the national anthem. I love you, Ryan. That's there's that's my the hot best take. Answer that's that's the best answer. I completely agree. Get rid of the national anthem. Out of here. Get rid of God Bless America on Sundays. I don't want it. I don't need it. Quick tip: If you uh, ever want to spot a scout at a minor league game, look. Dur- Behind home plate during the national anthem, we're all timing the national anthem because if it's a short anthem, it means a short game, and if it's a long anthem, we are dreading it because it means a long game. Beautiful. There you go. There's tricks of the trade. Um, when you're not drinking beer, Ryan, what what are you drinking? Uh, red wine. Be more specific. Uh, my wife and I, particularly my wife, really likes expensive red wine. So if, we're, <laughs> so if we're not drinking, are we talking? Are we talking like Bordeaux expensive? Uh, she's a California cab girl, and okay. what she wants at that at that range is what she gets. So we drink a lot of. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know what people think is pricey, but we drink uh, good red wine when we don't drink beer. But that's okay. once a month. You know, I mean, it's not often. But your, your wife's a beer drinker. She is as well. Yeah, absolutely. She's more into stouts than I am. She's definitely a stout girl, whereas nice, I'm much more nice. of an IPA. 
Did you ever get a hold of your earned run ale? No. Okay. I need to, but yeah, I am I home uh, tomorrow. I'm hoping to pick it up tomorrow. Okay. Well, there we go. Good. Um, Hopefully for a we column talked... actually on Monday. <laughs> Quick drop. Yeah, for sure. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about, uh, not on the podcast, but before, um, ESPN released a list of top 100 athletes in the world. Major League Baseball had zero players on that list. What do you think that Major League Baseball could and should do better to not only raise awareness in the world, but kind of improve its status among American sports fans? It's a big question. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to that question. Wow. Where do you you want me to start again? (laughs) Um, How do we get more is it more how do we get more athletes to the game is that what uh no not necessarily it's uh what is baseball doing wrong that there's no uh there's no worldwide um i guess focus or baseball players being in the conversation as known worldwide entities i think the main thing is we don't highlight the i think we show off the home run and not the exceptional ability of what these guys do in the field enough. I mean, to see Mike Trout run at his size, I think we overlook the fact that he's built like an NFL linebacker, but he still runs at it like a, you know, a jackrabbit. I mean, it, to say they're not exceptional, and that's a whole other conversation, what's an athlete or what's, what's athletic, and, and we could do. Yeah, is Bartolo Colon athletic? I mean, I mean, I don't know. He's exceptionally skilled at what his skill is. Is that athletic? Yes. I don't know. But on the same thing is, an, is a figure skater who can twirl around on ice, an athlete, they're exceptional at what they do, but I don't know that they're going to go beat Michael A. Taylor in a foot race, if that's what we're describing athleticism at. So it's kind of right. that, that question. But that said, I don't think that baseball does nearly a good enough job focusing on the athletes that we have. And I, and I will say that the athletes do get weeded out a little bit in the minor leagues, too. They're also great athletes with baseball skills. But I think if people watched minor league baseball, they might think that it's more of an athletic game rather than a skillful game as well. It's interesting. I never would have thought of that. The amount of 80 runners that you could see in low A is crazy. The speed yeah. at low A is much better than it is at the major league level. They're younger. I'm they're sure. not as big, but they also can't hit. I mean, so it's right. just, it's very different. So Very toolsy. Yes, exactly. Well said. No, that's really interesting. Um, I think, uh, I think personally that major league baseball needs to look at utilizing social media a lot more than they do. Um, Pitching the crackdown on gifts, the crackdown on Vine when it was still a thing. Um, the, I mean, look no further than the controversy of the Pitching Ninja <laughs> back about a month ago when his account got suspended for copyright violation. And he was doing more for Major League Baseball than baseball was doing for itself. By highlighting, they're a long way off in this, but it almost feels like a Napster and MP3 when they were trying to fight that, you know, downloading music. It was like rather than getting getting in on the game, they're trying to fight it, and and the Absolutely. longer they fight it, the worse they're doing. And I mean, they might as you well look embrace. at you look at uh, the fastest. I mean, I, I 
hesitate to use the word fastest, but the strongest league among under 40 in America. And it's the NBA. And they've said, yes, we want you to put our stuff out there. We want you to give our highlights. We want you to be talking about it. We want to have access to our product because the more people that have access to it, the more people are going to see our product and see how great it is and then show up and pay and do all the things that generate revenue. And Major League Baseball is like, no, 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 no. We can't do that. You have to pay for our subscriptions. You're going to get shut down if you're sharing things you shouldn't share. Um, And it just seems a very counterintuitive way to grow a sport that, um, let's be honest, people your age and my age are not the bulk of the fan base. Well, but the people that are making the decisions are so far out of touch, they don't understand it as well. I mean, which is, and I do understand they need to protect their, Hey, we can't have people live streaming the entire baseball game on Twitter or on Periscope because then we're ruining all of our baseball contracts that are paying us crazy amounts of money. I, I understand that there's a line there, but to your point, whether it's 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 second gifts, I mean, or what pitching ninja is doing, I mean, that's promoting the game and it's certainly not taking away from, you know, your TV contracts. So I, I, you know, let's use a little discretion and be smart here. Yeah. Uh, I think common sense needs to prevail a lot more in what baseball does. And the fact that the casual sports fan, not casual baseball fan, but casual sports fan doesn't really know who Mike Trout is, is preposterous. There's a better chance they know who Shohei Otani is than Mike Trout. And there's I'm something surprised really wrong with that. He wasn't on the list, to be honest. I mean, they probably know Bryce Harper before they know Mike Trout. And, and yeah. they probably know it for his hair flips and the negativity rather than even knowing him for his baseball skills. So Right. But, I mean, Mike Trout literally on pace for the highest war season for a batter ever. Like, yeah, we've, and we're no not one even talking. We're not even talking about that. We might be experiencing one of the best season, one of the top three to five seasons of all time, and nobody's mentioning it. It's extraordinary. Yeah, no one's mentioning it. That like he is already like I believe I said on a podcast last year that if Mike Trout retired right now, he would have a legitimate Hall of Fame case. He's, he without be, question, he'd be more than Jim Rice. The only problem yep. is, is he's he'd played on some be lousy more than a teams. lot of players. Yeah. He's played on some bad teams, though. Yeah. Oh, he absolutely has, but he's just been absolutely phenomenal. Okay. Uh, Rapid fire round. Uh, I'm going to ask. These are a couple. This is this is a little game. We're going to play a game, Ryan. Ooh. I don't know if you're ready for it. All right. I guess we're going to call it uh, hot or cold. Are you hot on this or cold on this? And these are things that are um, big, like modern topics in baseball like are you feeling this as a real thing or yeah kind of done with it all right you know does that make sense believe me i i I got it yeah all right (laughs) hot or cold spin rate very cold extraordinarily cold cold. ice cold it's bullshit (laughs) bullshit uh says the guy who has a podcast with uh the agent of seth lugo who Literally is only known because of his spin rate. Spin rate is 
your eyes tell you if the, when you've got a rate that tells you what it's spinning and then it's well there's effective spin and there's ineffective spin and then they can't really differentiate what that is you lost me at that point just what do my eyes tell me can the guy throw a curveball or not there we go uh brian sullivan cold on spin rate um how do you feel about minor league pitch clocks hot or cold uh, I wish they were enforced more, but uh, I, I will go with uh, hot on the idea, cold on enforcement. Okay. So they're being used, excuse me, at minor league parks. Supposedly. But supposedly. They don't have a physical clock? No, they do. I just don't see any, you know, these guys move, working slowly, and I don't see any effect if, you know, they haven't thrown a pitch and it's 15 or 20 seconds, whatever the number is in the background. I Okay. So hot on the idea, cold on... So you like the idea of, of speeding it up a little bit. I just don't think there needs to be quite as much of the nonsense they do between each pitch. But I also understand that... I mean, it does give me extra time to write about what I just saw. So I, I can't totally hate on it on a personal yeah, level. But on a personal level. But speed up the game a little bit. I'm very in favor of at the minor league level. Okay. All right. Awesome. And last one, hot or cold, launch angle. Cold. Cold on launch angle. Wow. That I did not see coming. Why are you cold on launch angle, Ryan Sullivan of NatsGM.com? I think a lot of it, and we're, I think it's really going to come to light in the next couple of months. It's come to light in the last 48 hours, but the ball is very different than it was two or three years ago. I mean, yes, it absolutely is. And uh, great research by Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer. Um, someone else as well did a big study earlier this year. Um, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. Also, I've had a couple beers. That's not helping. But I've had um, – I, I have two baseballs sitting on my desk here, and one's with Bud Selig's name on it and one's with Manfred's name on it, and they are different baseballs. I'm surprised I haven't tweeted out the picture, but they look different. One's bigger. The one today is a bigger baseball. It's like – it's very noticeable. I don't – It's a physically bigger baseball? It's – the one I'm looking at is a larger baseball. Yes, I mean that's it's, wild. I've heard lots of things about the so, seams and the tightness and the inner composition. I've not heard specifically that the size just, of the ball is different. It just looks that's big. fascinating. Now you can go into you know do I have a random baseball? Well, of course I have one random baseball from each, but it, is that different than the the ones in there? But I got them both from Nats Park. Thanks, guys. Hmm. But uh, so. Uh, yeah, I'm cold on launch angle because I think it's it's almost 100% composed on uh, the, the baseball being different combined with the fact that... It, now, if you want to call it launch angle, I think guys are just selling out more for power. If you want to compl- kind of combine that same theory, then, then maybe we're saying a similar thing. But uh, I think 90% of it's the baseball. Okay, wow. That's, that's fascinating. I like it. Um, all right, I think I'm out of stuff for us. Do you have anything you want to hit on real quick that we might have missed? No, I'm good. Cool. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and tell the folk where they can find you? Because they should already know right by now, but just in case. Uh, At NatsGM.com on Twitter. uh, At NatsGM.com online is where pretty much everything starts. Uh, You can find my two podcasts, uh, The Nats GM Show and The Joshua Kuznick Experience on Apple Podcasts. Also, you can find them at my website. Uh, I would like to give a quick plug for uh, we are doing a live Joshua Kuznick Experience 
podcast uh, July 15th at Cleveland Park Bar and Grill, uh, 5 p.m. I believe is when the festivities are going to start. I think we'll do 6 p.m. probably is when we'll actually do it live. I don't know if we're going to record. I don't know if it's going to be a Q&A. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but we have uh, a couple of very impressive special guests lined up. Uh, I don't know that I can share it quite yet, but uh, I, I'm hoping we have two booked. We're hoping for three guests. Uh, we have some swag. I will be your third guest, Ryan. Beautiful. You're welcome. See, now I don't have to worry about it. So there you go. Beautiful. All done. Uh, but it's all going to be, we're going to raise a little bit of money for charity. We haven't decided the charity yet. We're just, uh, we're between a couple, uh, Stoneman Douglas down in Florida and uh, a couple that are close to me up in DC are, uh, we're kind of debating. We don't know how much money we're going to have. So splitting not a lot of money three ways seems a little silly. So we're kind of debating that, but, uh, long and short, it's going to be a charitable event. We're going to have some drink specials. Uh, Cleveland Park Bar and Grill is a great spot. It's right off the red line. Uh, we are probably going to be watching some of the Futures game after we record and do our thing. So if you want to talk prospects with me, I'll be there. If you want to harass Joshua Kuznick, you can do that. Um, and maybe if we get Jeremy Jeffress to D.C., you never know. Look at that Look at that professional plug right there. You never know. So uh, vote for Jeffress to the All-Star game and uh, – you never know. So, uh, live plug. Uh, I really, uh, it would mean a lot to me if people came out that were listening to this. We're uh, we're trying to do a good thing and also trying to uh, have some fun as well. So, uh, the Sunday before the All Star Game, July fifteenth, Cleveland Park Bar and Grill, five o'clock. So, that's everything. Perfect, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining me uh, on this podcast. It was it was fantastic. I really enjoyed talking baseball with you. Uh, as for everyone listening, thanks for listening. Uh, really appreciate your time. Um, I will see you shortly. Love you all very much. Thank you. This has been Nats Talk on the Go. I'm Craig Mack on Twitter. Craig McHenry signing off. Thanks. Bye.